discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatin as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's important to you. I'd like to always share with you things that can really, things that you can use, things that you can put to work for yourself. Okay. I, there are a lot of things we could share. Others are people wonder whether we know some, we have access to some things, whether we know we have some information. We have all kinds of information. But they are just information. You know, we would want to share something with you that would profit you, would benefit you, will help you grow in the Lord. Yeah. Things that will benefit you. Things that would really help you, you know, to grow. Hallelujah. In First Peter chapter, chapter 3, you know, Second Peter chapter 3, rather, Paul, Paul discussed, Peter discussed a lot of interesting things concerning the end times. How things would go, you know. He said so many things. You can, we can read some. Let's read from verse 1 so that we see some of, the, some of the things there. Okay? I just want to help you understand some few things. I'm going to be sharing um, on the gates of Zion for the next few weeks. Okay? I'm going to be sharing concerning the gates of Zion for the next few weeks and what it means and, and how, how important it is for you. So I'm just starting it off in a certain way today. Okay? On Sunday, we'll go on. Tuesday, we'll go on. Went Sunday, like that, for the next few Sundays. Hallelujah. So this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. See, I'm writing this to stir up. He shows us the reason why he was writing the, 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 letter, the letter to those people. Okay? And we know that he wrote it to Jews who were scattered all over. If you read him from, from, from chapter 1, verse 1, he mentions that I'm writing to the Jews who are scattered in Pontus, in Galatia, and all those places. Hallelujah. It is that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, you see. Scoffers. Hallelujah. <laughs> scoffers. Walking after their own lusts. And he says these are the last days. And you know that the last days began when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon uh, uh, the 120 souls on, in that particular upper room. Hallelujah. If you remember in Acts chapter 2, when um, the Spirit of God came in there, into that upper room, he started speaking in tongues. Some people came and said that this is what I drank so early in the morning. It's just 9 a.m. It's just a third watch, and these guys are drunk. And Peter said that we are not drunk as you suppose. Hallelujah. We are not drunk, but this is what the Spirit of God, what the prophet spoke about, the prophet Joel spoke about, that it shall come in the last days, that I shall pour my Spirit upon all flesh. You see, 
it shall come in the last days. That was what Peter said. I shall pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So the last days began from the outpouring of the Spirit, when the Spirit of God came, you see. So he says that in the last days, you have, you have scoffers coming. Go back to verse 3. It says you have scoffers who walk after their own lusts. Verse 4. Saying, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? There are those who, are, who have Jesus' coming in doubt. They are just wondering whether Jesus really is going to come. One day he is going to come. One day this heaven that you see here will open. It is a day you have to keep at the back of your mind as a, as a born again child of God. Don't walk around as do nothing is going to happen. There is something that is going to happen. There's a sure day in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You might not be so certain about whether you ever get married. You may not know whether you... It is the truth. You may not know whether you get married. I know beautiful women who, have not, who are not married up to now. I know people who are 40 and are not married. Pretty ladies, hot chicks. Yes, guys who are wild, but they've not been able to marry. And they may never marry. They have money, everything, but they are not married. They are those who marry and never have a child. Never. No matter what they do. They can go to America, to South, South Africa, to wherever for a child, and it won't happen. I know someone who went to um, do these... Um, he, the person went to some of these fertilization centers, you know? Specialists, specialist, right? What, what, what are they called? Sorry? IVF, in vitro fertilization. She, she, went for, she went to make, to enhance her ovaries to produce eggs very frequently in a week, in a, in a month. So she could have about two or three produced. You know, that particular site is there. You can have two or three produced in a month. Because every month, one is supposed to come. You have this ovary producing one egg. Then the next month, this ovary also produced another egg. She went to spark both of them to produce a lot. And she still could not bear a child. Can you imagine? So she was releasing a lot of eggs. But the sperms managed. And the man's, there's nothing wrong with the man's sperm. But the, it wasn't just working. So you may not be certain of some things in life. We put our faith to work for those things. You put your faith to work to marry. You put your faith to work to have a child. You put, your, you put your faith to work to prosper, to live the way God has called you to live. But there's a certain day that you don't put your faith concerned because it's certain. Do you understand? It's a certain. It's, it's, it's definitely to come. Whether you like it or not, you, you can push it as far back as you want. But it will still come. There are some days that are certain. It's just certain. Okay? Yeah. There's a day you would will, you will be with your Lord. You will be with your Lord. It is the truth. But there are some people who don't know it. They will say, what is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, since the fathers, those who, those who got to know Jesus and all those people, since they died, eh, everything continues. All things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Everything continues. Everything is normal. People are marrying, are being given marriage, people are having children, people are doing their businesses. Everybody is doing whatever he or she wants to do. And everything is normal. Everything is, is going on. So what are you talking about? Is Jesus really going to come? Hallelujah. But he will come. He will. He will. He will. Hallelujah. Look at verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. 
This is another thing altogether. But what I'm trying to let you know is that, you see, in, in chapter, if you read chapter 2, 2 Peter, chapter 3, he talks about the things that will happen in the latter days or in the last times. You know, saying so many things, wonderful, interesting things that will happen, the things that people will be saying, the things that people will give their lives to. Hallelujah. But then, in the very last verse of this particular discourse, he shows us what to do. We can read from verse 16 into verse 18. Okay, let's read from verse 16 into verse 18. So he, I don't know if you'd want me to read. Let me read everything to you so that you see what I'm talking about. Do you understand? I'm, ju- I'm just trying to let you know what to, what to put your mind on. You see, what to focus on. Because there are a lot of things that will try to distract you. Lots of information. Sometimes people come to you, do you know about this? Do you know about that? Do you know about this? Do you know about that? Have you heard this? Do you know what is happening here? You know, Jesus mentioned that in the last days, some people say that Christ is here. He is here. He's there. He says, don't mind anybody, but the kingdom of God is in you. Hallelujah. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens are of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Go on, verse 6. I won't explain anything. I just, I'm just want, I just want to read it to you. Let's read the... Um, a lighter version, maybe BBE, so that you, you see all the things that he's talking about. My comment, I want to comment, if I say I'm going to comment, the earth standing out of water and in the water, if I want to talk, comment about it, it take another two hours, because it means a lot. I can preach a whole month on that particular verse. Hallelujah. It says, by these waters, also the word of that time was deluged and destroyed. You know, he was talking about um, what happened before the recreation of the earth. Okay? He was, he's talking about the fall of Satan and how God destroyed that world of old. God destroyed that world of old with water. God destroyed this current world with fire. He mentions it. It's by the same way, and the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. The first one was reserved with, was destroyed with water. This one is reserved to be destroyed with fire. Okay, then after, after this particular judgment of this world, the final judgment will be a judgment of fire and water together. The lake of fire, they put the old judgment and the new judgment together. So the final destination of those who are ungodly, the ungodly men, is the lake of fire, which is actually a summary of the judgment of old and the judgment of what is going to happen. This, the verse before this is not talking about Noah. Okay, it's not talking about Noah's world. It's talking about the world before Noah. You know that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, all that is written from verse 2 downwards actually has to do with, it has to do with, (laughs) it was a recreation. It was a recreation. Not, or a repair, okay? It was a repair of the old creation. Because God didn't create another earth. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, the earth was created. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 9, he commanded the earth to come out of the water because the earth had been submerged into water. That is what he's talking about. He says the earth standing out of water and in water was destroyed. Then he says, by the same word, by the same word of God, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. You see, he says this one is reserved. Eh? For the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. This, this destruction is not for you and I. It's for ungodly men. We are godly men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day are like a day. Go on. 
The Lord is not, is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So the reason why the earth and the heaven, the reason why Jesus has not come is not because he is slow. It's as though he see if you were some people say that if we're sitting on, on a on a on a track or even on a on a on a wheelbarrow and, and Michael was pushing him, he should have gotten here by now. Where is when is he coming? They say Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. We have waited and waited, he's not come. He says it's not because he's slow. As some people consider or understand slowness. It is because he is patient. Not wanting anyone to perish. But everyone to come to repentance. He wants us to be able to preach to everybody. To announce his word, his kingdom to everyone. For everyone to hear. And get an opportunity to come to him. That is why he's not destroyed everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go to the next verse. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. So he's describing what is going to happen. With a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Everything will be laid bare. The Bible says that the heavens will be rolled like a mat. It will happen. I don't know if you were here. Um, the last, was it Sunday or Tuesday? The last Tuesday. Last Tuesday. There was an explosion. I don't know, how you, I don't know whether you, you remember how you felt when the explosion happened. There was an explosion just outside here. It wasn't easy. Some people wanted to run away. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can imagine if the world is being destroyed, how it's going to feel like, how it's going to be like. But it will happen. It is reserved unto fire. Look at the next thing. Verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. (laughs) Amazing. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, so we are to speed its coming. (laughs) So Jesus is not slow. It's a church that is slow. We are to speed the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In other words, when we get more people born again and prepare ourselves as we prepare others, the Lord will come. The Lord is coming for a glorious church, not having wrinkle or any spot. He wants to marry a beautiful bride, not a wrinkled bride. I don't think you want to. Robert, would you want to marry an 80-year-old woman in your state, in your current state? Would you want to do that without teeth? She'll be talking to you like this. She'll be coming to kiss like this. You can't, you, you don't like that, isn't it? You want something fresh, isn't it? Yeah, fresh. Look at the way faith is looking fresh. It's powerful, isn't it? Fresh. Hallelujah. Ready to be, to be barbecued. Yeah. It says. <laughs> As you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Verse 13. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Hallelujah. So to them, it's destruction, but to us, it is what it is. And we are looking for a new heaven and a new earth and the home of righteousness. Hallelujah. Verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Verse 15. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote, wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. It means that Peter was reading Paul's writings. Hallelujah. Go to the next verse. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Do you agree? Yeah, Peter even said it. Which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. And this, this is what happens a lot. This is what is happening in our time. 
You know, people pick things from the word of God and make some wonderful interpretation. For instance, um, there's a particular thing that Paul wrote that if you're virgin, eh, let me show it to you. Hallelujah. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 36. But if any man think that he behaved himself uncommonly toward his virgin, okay, if she pass the flower of her age and, and need so require, let him do what he will. He sinned not. Let them marry. Some people say that this means that if you are going out with somebody, you can sleep with the person as many times as you want because you are going to marry the person. Can you imagine? Did you, did you see what I just read to you? Okay, let's read from verse 35 so it makes more sense. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that you may attend upon the Lord without distraction. 36. But if any man think that he behaved himself uncomely toward his virgin, if she pass the flower of her age, and need so require, let him, let him do what he will. So that particular phrase, let him do what he will. He sinned not. Let them marry. So there, there's a church, there are churches that are doing that preach it the way I'm talking to you now. That what it means is that if you are going out, there was a, a pastor left two people in his office. They were going out. He left them in his office. He was counseling them in his office and left them for about two hours and came back and saw them still sitting. He said, ah, Why are you still sitting? I thought you'd be doing something by now. That's like what, dear, like what? <laughs> I thought you'd be doing something. I thought you'd be kissing her. Something. That was why I left you. I mean, you should be able to do some of those things. Can you imagine? Yeah. So he sinned not. He's, is that what the Bible is saying? Let's read the message version. If you have message version. So that you see, if you read it in other vers- versions, you realize that it is not true. Hallelujah. If a man has a woman friend to whom he is loyal, but never intended to marry. Are you saying it? Are you seeing it? He never intended to marry. This guy wanted to serve the Lord with his life. Be a, a, a what? A spiritual eunuch. <laughs> Go become a father or something. Like, how, how do you say it? Paul, Pauline. Uh-huh. Go Pauline. The, the ladies say, I'm going Paulina. You know? Having decided to serve God as a single, you see? And then changes his mind, deciding he should marry her. He should go ahead and marry. It is not, it's no sin. You get it. Do you understand what he's saying? He says, initially I made up my mind I'm going to serve the Lord as a single young man. But there's this lady friend that I have who is looking up to me to marry her. If I change my mind that, okay, I'll marry. I've not sinned. I've married her. I've not sinned. That's what he's trying to say. He should go ahead and marry. It's no sin. It's not even a, a step down from celibacy, as some say. So he was talking about celibacy. But some people say that this means that you can sleep with a girl anyway, anyhow. So long as you want to marry her, so long as you are going to marry her, hey, free of chance. Eh? Free, free. You can just do whatever you want to do. Hallelujah. Yeah. So Peter, Peter acknowledged that Paul's writings are difficult to understand sometimes. Go back to 2 Peter, where we're reading, chapter 3. Are you enjoying the word? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> So he says, bear in mind that our lost patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, 
which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other, the other scriptures to their own distraction. So it's just their own distraction, isn't it? Then verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Have you seen it? This is what I want you to see. Let's read the King James. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. That's the error of the wicked. There are things that people say. Okay? So many things. So many wild teachings. How about people asking, do, do you know about these things? Yes. We know about them, but it's not profitable. It doesn't bring developments in any way. No growth. Then, verse 18. So, he shows you what to do with yourself. Look at verse 18. But grow in grace. You see, but grow in grace. So, in the last days, what a man is supposed to do is to grow in grace. What is the meaning of grace? Grace means God at work, man at rest. That's what grace means. Grace means what? God at work, man at rest. But growing, he says you. Make sure you are growing in grace. Make sure you are growing in grace. Grow in grace. Grow in the consciousness of God's presence in you. When the Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What do you think about when you hear that? When you say that, what do you think about? You should, you should be thinking about God inside you. You should be God inside minded. It means that God is inside. God is greater than whatever is around me. God is greater than that infirmity that is around me. God is greater than that, that trouble around me. Hallelujah. To grow in grace means to grow in the consciousness of God in you. That's what it means to grow in grace. It's about growing grace. Say to about growing grace. Then it says, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Growing grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is what you're supposed to do in the, in the last day. So give your life to, to growing in grace. Do you see? Give yourself over. In, in Acts chapter 20, okay? Read Acts chapter 20, verse, verse 32. You know, in Acts chapter 20, Paul had, Paul had ministered in so many places. And he was, he was on his way to another place. He was going to Jerusalem. And he knew that when he goes to Jerusalem, he will not come back. So he called for, he was in a certain place. He called for the elders in the churches that he had preached in, especially in Ephesus, for them to come over and come and meet him. And when they came, he preached. He spoke to them at length. But the final thing he said to them was what is, is what is written here. He says, and now, brethren, I commend you to God. I leave you to God. I leave you to who? I leave you to God. Why? Because it's only God who can help you. No human being can help you. Nobody can help you. So I leave you with God. I don't leave you with any teaching. I leave you with God. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. To the word of his grace. Which is able to build you up. The grace of God is located in his word. Hallelujah. How do you get to know God? By finding out who he is. How do you find out who he is? By reading your Bible. Where is God? God is in his word. 
How do you get to know God? You get to know God through his word. So the more of his word you put inside you, the more you grow in grace. The more conscious you become of who he is in you. Am I making sense at all? Yeah. So, all of us want to prosper. We want to do well in life. Okay? There's an exam of life. Some people just left school some few days ago. And you're excited because you blowed your papers. It's powerful. You have to be excited. And I'm excited for you. Hallelujah. Say the pastor is excited for you. I'm excited for you. But there's an exam in life. There's, there's an exam in life. There are exams in life. And you must be concerned about passing those exams. And the way to pass that exam, or those exams, is through the word of God. Because the word of God shows you the kind of questions that will be asked. And gives you the answers. You can't ignore it. You can't decide to ignore it. If you ignore it, you're going to be in trouble. Hallelujah. That's why you must stuff yourself with the word of God. It says, but growing grace, and in the word, it says, but, sorry, and, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. It is able, it has an ability to build you up. And to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. It will give you an inheritance. Do you see? So don't joke with the word of God. That's what I'm trying to let you know. Don't joke with the word of God. The way to do well is through the, is through the word of God. The way to do well, to really do well, is through God's word. Not through any other means. Other means may work to a point. But if you ignore the word of God, you will not do well. Hallelujah. Yeah. So he tells them, go in Greece. And in the knowledge of the Lord. In the knowledge, how do you get, get the knowledge of the Lord? The word knowledge there is epignosis. It means to have intimacy with that particular knowledge that you have concerning your Lord. And knowledge concerning your Lord is actually grace. Okay, let me show you a scripture. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Let's read from verse 12. Okay, Philippians chapter 2 from verse 12. Probably this, this will help you understand what I'm trying to say very well. Okay? Are you here? This word for my beloved. As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You, you should understand that he's not talking about the born again experience. Okay? He's not talking about you being born again, being saved along that line. He's talking about you accessing the salvation that you have received already. Because salvation is a gift that you receive. In salvation, you receive eternal life. You see? Salvation is a package. It's a package that you receive from God the day you become born again. Salvation. The word salvation is soteria. It means health. It means prosperity. You see? It means goodness. It means mercy. It means grace. I mean, accessing is a, is a package that you receive. The day you, are, you get born again, you receive a package from God. It has the life of God in it. It has everything inside. So he's saying that uh, work out. Let's work outside your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, make sure you are bringing that prosperity out. And make sure you are bringing that health inside out. Experience it in your body. Don't let it be shut in the recesses of your spirit. Let it come out. Let's experience it around you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Okay, let's, let's read the Amplified. Go back and let's read the Amplified. Praise the Lord. He says, 
Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I'm absent. Work out, cultivate, carry out the goal. Have you seen it? Cultivate. That's what he's talking about. Cultivate. Work out to the goal and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling. He's not saying that salvation is not complete. What he's saying is that bring it out. Let it show forth because salvation happens to the spirit of man. But it's not, in the, it's not in the soul. It's not in the mind of a man. Your mind must be saved. The Bible says that he restored my soul, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Isn't it? Then he says, he leads me beside the still waters. He restored my soul. He restored my soul. There's a restoration of the soul. There's a salvation of the soul. Your mind must be saved. Your mind must think the way your spirit man, what, your mind must think the way your spirit man has become now. When there's a problem, do you run away when there's a problem? Do you react to, to things in life, to issues in life with your home in mind? When we talk about money, oh, I, I, don't, I don't have money. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, there are some contrasts you won't get by money. You get by your words <laughs> and by how you behave yourself. Yeah. Hallelujah. By the consciousness you have. Do you see? So he's talking about bringing what is inside. Because everything is inside. There's nothing outside of you that needs to be inside. Can you imagine that all that you all that you ever need in your life is inside? That, that is the gospel. That is the good news. It's not somewhere. It's not with a certain pastor somewhere. It's not with a certain man of God somewhere. It's not with a certain prophet somewhere. You know, this, there are those who are... Mo- Recently, I had a woman visit me. Hallelujah. Let me tell you the story. This woman has had issues for the last five to six years of her life. She has three children and she claims all the three are witches. Now these are little, little children. Little, little children. She says all of them are witches because someone came to live with her and gave it to them. And she left the thing for her, for the children. And the children have destroyed, destroyed her marriage, destroyed everything. And she's moving from place to place. In fact, when she even met me, she was, in, she was on her way to another place. Meanwhile, she has been calling me for weeks for us to meet. When I finally met her, and I was talking to her, she was on her way somewhere else. I told her, the day you sit down, everything will be fine. Because the solution is not in those places. The solution is in the book you are holding. That's, that's what the solution is. It's not out there. Our prosperity is not out there. Our prosperity is inside here. If only we allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit of God, to be led by our own human spirit to show us what to do, we'll be fine. Haven't you read your Bible? Go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and verse 10. Hallelujah. I said everything is inside. Everything is really inside. There's no out somewhere. Why do we fast? Why do we pray? These things are not rituals. They are not things we just do for doing sick. Okay? They are really linked to your life. They are linked to your prosperity down here and your prosperity up there in heaven. They are. Your prayers are linked to your prosperity here. Because life really is spiritual. Life is not just as you see it. Life is really spiritual. Huh. King James, please. He's talking about Jesus Christ now, okay? Then he says, for in him. 
For in Christ, probably you think it's not Christ. Let's read from verse 8 so that you see it very well. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the woodmen of the world, you see, he's telling you, he says, beware. You have to be, a, you have to beware. You have to be smart for no, for anyone to carry you. Don't allow anybody to carry you away as spoil, as, as goods, as property. The word spoil means property. You know, during those times when they go for war and you won the battle, you, you make spoil of the enemy. You get it? Because the, everybody came to the, the camp, the fighting camp with jewelry, with all kinds of things. I think on Sunday, I read something to you. Like that, okay? They come with booty. They come with a lot of things. So the one who wins gets... He doesn't just win the battle. He gets property. So during those times, men who were physically endowed ruled the world because they had more money. Right? Now, if you have big body and you don't have sense, you will not rule the world. The structure of your structure, your body structure means nothing. It's your head that means everything. What's in your mind makes all the difference. Hallelujah. And gradually we are, we, are, we are getting into the realm where those whose spirits are correct, who, who have really trained themselves spiritually, okay, are ruling the world. Those who train themselves spiritually rule the world. We are gradually shifting from the age of the mind because people, the mind is limited. The spirit man must rule through your mind for you to succeed very well. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's a very good scripture. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. It means that your thought processes are low. And God can use... I'm not saying thinking is wrong. I'm not saying what comes to your mind is wrong. I'm not saying you should stop using your mind because there are some Christians who don't use their minds. There are a lot of Christians who have, who have put their minds on hold because they say they are Christians, they are spiritual. It doesn't work like that. God speaks to your mind. God speaks to your mind. You have to use your mind. If your mind is not trained, you will... You won't hear what he wants to say to you. Your mind has to be working. Don't put your mind on holiday as though you are foolish. Say, I refuse to be foolish. I refuse to be foolish. Yeah, you, you have to think. What I'm trying to say is that God rules through your mind. There are those who just allow their minds to function without any contact with their human spirit where, where God himself dwells. Okay? He says, beware lest any man spoil you through. This, it's, it's always like that. He lets you know that, listen, there are, there are some things happening in the world. Make sure you don't give your attention to that. To that. Give your attention to what I'm, giving, I'm telling you to give your attention to. That's why he says, my, my, my son, give me your heart. You see, give, when he says, give me your heart, he's asking for your attention. He says, give me your heart. Give me your attention. Let me have your attention. If I have your attention, everything will be fine. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. All these things have meanings. Okay? Then, he, let, he lets you know, he says, for in Christ, for in him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All of God dwells in Christ. He is God personified. He is everything you require. And Christ is inside you. So what are you talking about? The mystery of the new creation or the mystery of the new man is the fact that Christ is in you. Christ is inside me. He's not outside me. He's inside me. Paul said it's the mystery that was hidden before the ages began. The mystery that people, everybody, all the prophets, all the angels wanted to look into. They wanted to find out what God was going to do in us. Christ in you. Yeah, Christ in you. All the glory that you need in this world is inside. Everything is inside. It's not out there. 
So he says, for in him, for in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Then he goes on to say, and you are complete in Christ. You are complete. There's nothing inside that is supposed to be out, and there's nothing out that is supposed to be in. In other words, you don't need help from anybody out there. All the help you require is inside. When the Holy Ghost leads you, he leads you to the right help. I'm telling you. You are complete in him. Which is the head of what principality and power? You are complete. See, I'm complete. I refuse, to look I refuse to look around. Sometimes when you need, you need some help, the first person you think about is your uncle or your mother or your father. All those who are like that will not go far. The Bible says, curse be any man that maketh flesh his arm. You can get to a certain point, but after some point it won't work. It's God who arranges men before you. I'm not saying you will not get the help of a man. I'm not saying when you need help, you, it will not come through a man. It, God will drop it from heaven. God works through men. The Bible says, I give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall I cause what? Shall I cause what? It means that you will cause a man to bring it to you. It will come through a man. But don't look at that man. Look at God. And God will cause that man to bring it. Do you understand? Yeah. You are looking for a certain guy to propose to you. Stop looking at him. Because of a certain uncle, you believe that your life is going to go very well. Your prosperity is assured. Because of a certain man, you are in trouble. I'm telling you. <laughs> Pastor Eugene says, your foolishness has started. And I agree with him. I can't agree less. Your foolishness really has started. See, I refuse to look at any man. God is inside, though. I want to remind you that God is inside. Do you understand? Sometimes you can go and you, you forget that God is inside. He says, I'll dwell in them. I'll walk in them. Jesus, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will, I will dwell in them and I will walk in them. God is inside. He's inside. And if God is inside, what should I be worried about? But we don't know it as we're supposed to know it. We don't know it as we're supposed to. That's why we forget. If you're able to forget something, it means that you don't know it. Do you forget you have hands? How many of you forget you have hands? Use it without even thinking about it, isn't it? Is it true? Use it without thinking about it because you know that you know that you know that you haven't. And when you need to use it, you just use it. You, don't, you have had epignosis with your hands. You've had full knowledge, intimate knowledge with your hands. You use it without thinking twice. No permission. How many of you look for your mouth before you put food inside? Kojumafo certainly not look for his mouth. He knows where it is. Hallelujah. <laughs> you you don't look for it. You don't find out. Okay, so where is it? Is it is it somewhere? You even touch your back, you know? Is it somewhere here? Where's my mouth? No, you don't do that. You when you pick the food, you don't put it in your knee. You put it straight into your mouth. Because you know where it you know where it is. You know, you just know. You know that you know that you know that it's there. And you know that it will not fail you. You know it will not, you know your mouth will never fail you. Is it true? You trust us with you trust with all of your heart. You don't think about it. You don't. I mean, you say, let me put this food into my mouth and see if it will work. Like da. Oh, Adra. Like da. <laughs> so God wants us to get to that level where our knowledge concerning Him and the fact that He is inside us is so clear that we don't need to shake 
when an information comes, a terrible information comes. We don't need to go and kneel down. God, problem has come. No. No. God is in me. God is in me. God is in me. How can, how can this destroy God? No. It can't happen. God is in me. That is, that is what grace means. I am trying to show you what grace means, right? So I'm trying to let you know. He says, everything is inside. So he's not saying work out your salvation from outside. Like, try and get it inside. He's saying that it's inside. Bring it out. Let it show. You see, let it show. Let it show. I have excellence inside my spirit. So let it show. Let the excellence show. The wisdom of God is in my spirit. Let that wisdom be demonstrated in every single action of yours. Foolishness is out of my life. Because Christ is inside me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it says that for, for, ye, for of him are ye in Christ, who of God is made unto you, wisdom. It says Christ is made unto us, wisdom. You see, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us, God is made unto us, Christ is made unto us, wisdom. Then it says righteousness and sanctification and redemption is all these things for us. So my wisdom is not, is not something that goes and comes. My wisdom is a person, is inside me. See, I'm a sage. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sage extraordinaire. That means that I make the right choice the right time. I pick the right thing the right time. I don't do trial and error in life. Is, is this one going to work? Is this one? No, 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 no. But Christ, a Christian can do that. Can do trial and error. All his life. Oh, there are many Christians who are doing that. All their life. Trial and error. God is inside them and they are doing trial and error with God inside them. And it doesn't work. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. No. Everything is inside. The Holy Ghost is inside. Okay? That's why in Philemon 6, Philemon is just, just one chapter. In Philemon 6, it mentions that, it says, I pray that the communication of your faith will become effectual. How? Through the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. There are some good things that are in us in Christ Jesus. Everything is in us. Hallelujah. See, it's inside. It's inside. All the wisdom I require. All the wisdom I require. I'm telling you, it's inside. Okay? He will lead you. He will lead you from within. Show you. Acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. There are good things inside you. There are good things inside you. And Paul is saying that work out these good things. Let these good things show. Let them come forth. You see, let them show. My health will be top notch. My prosperity will be top notch. Everything that I, everything that concerns me will be, will be, will be high class. I refuse to think low class. I think high class. Everything I touch is excellent. When I touch it, it will become excellent. Because I have excellence dwelling in my spirit, and that thing will be excellent. Everything I touch will be excellent. And it starts from your dressing. If you don't know, I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Let me not talk about it, okay? Yeah, acknowledging every good thing that is in you, that is in Christ Jesus, in you in Christ Jesus. Okay? Go back to Philippians, Philippians 2, where we're reading. Philippians 2, verse 12. See, I'm different. I'm different. We are different. We are not, we are not, we are not, the, we are not the same. Like every other person. No. We are new creations. 
God is not a failure. God has not produced failures. God has not produced failures. No, the Bible says that we are his workmanship. It says we are his poem. We are his, his highest poem. You know, during, I'm, even in these times, every musician has his best song. Musicians are poets. Artists are poets. I mean, they have, and they have, they have the best of their work. The best of their work. Mona Lisa is Da Vinci's best work. You see, they don't know whether it's a man or a woman. It's like she's smiling, it's like she's sad, it's like she's. It's a mixture of so many emotions at once. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thomas Edison has electricity as his best work, isn't it? Yeah. Tesla has AC as his best work. Best works. And God also has his best work. All the, the heaven is beautiful. The earth is beautiful. Everything inside is beautiful. The universe is beautiful. But it says that we are his best work. Can you imagine? So how, why should we point to him and say that it's not true? You see, we, people, a lot of Christians point to him and say it's not true. How, why are you lying? The Bible says let God be true. And all men be liars. Elijah said, who has believed that report? Because they couldn't believe the report of God. When God says, says they don't, I don't really, I don't really think so. I don't think far about it. <laughs> I don't think madness about it. For we are God's own handwork. His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works which God predestined. Planned beforehand for us. There are good works that God has planned beforehand for me. Says taking parts. Eh? Oh, hallelujah. Taking parts which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. The good life. Hallelujah. But he lets you know how you can bring it out. How to let it show. Okay? So go back to Philippians, right? Philippians chapter 2. We are in the storm. Go to verse 13. So he says, bring out your own salvation, right? Work out your own salvation with what? With fear and trembling. Hallelujah. This is not in your own strength. Not in your own strength. In other words, if you try and put your mind to it and try to like I'm going to make, I'm going to prosper. I'm going to make sure I prosper. It, it may not work. I want to bring that wisdom out. It may not work. He says, not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you. Energizing and creating you the power and desire. He creates in you the power and the desire. Eh? Both to work and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. God knows what he wants. And he's inside you working in you to give you desire, willingness, ability to do the thing and to make it work. I don't know if I'm making sense. So God is committed to your prosperity more than you are committed to. So when, when he says, but grow in grace, what he's saying is that, but grow in the knowledge of the fact that God is at work in you. He's in me with all of himself. He's in me with all of his power. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. See, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of destiny. Full of the glory of God. My life is for the upward movements only. I refuse to be dumb. 
I'm smart. I'm not a failure. I'm a success. I'm a huge success. I'm a bundle of success happening everywhere. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And I know how to make things work. I know how to make things work. God is that key in me. God is that key in me. God is working in me. Hallelujah. Rise up on your feet and let's pray. And bring the meeting to an end. Thank God for what I shared with you. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.